sucks, and I am a piece of shit now, so... Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Film Find, the greatest movie podcast ever. Assuming you've never listened to a movie podcast before, my name is Adam Portress, and I'm joined by Matt Smith. You know, my mother always told me, Adam, that uh, with a little bit of magic in your life, you can do almost anything. <laughs> Man, if my, mo- if my mom said something like that to me, I'd be like, uh, I- I'm going to have to look for the cameras. This is Truman Show, isn't it? She also used to tell me that on a quest, the clear path is never the right one. Yeah, there's a lot of logic in uh, today's movie that really defines all upset. Oh, good lord! Thanks, Dio. Oh yeah. <laughs> Can you tell uh, you, Matt and the music are on the same thing? <laughs> Listen, rest on your haunches a minute. Mm. All the haunches. Uh, yes. Yeah, so uh, today we're covering Onward. It came out in theaters for a quick hot second. I think a t- grand total of about two weeks. Uh, mm-hmm. Then, then the plague hit, and yep. <laughs> we all got sent inside to the to our rooms like the good little children that we are. And uh, a couple weeks later, uh, Disney put Onward out on VOD and then on Disney Plus. So, uh, hey, man, less than what a month and a half ago. This was a brand new f- film in theaters. Now it's available for free on Disney Plus. So uh, shoot, you can't much beat that deal. Yeah, and it and it asks the timely question as we're all stuck inside: uh, Are you working hard or hardly working? Woo! <laughs> 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 you ever have uh, somebody do that to you? Like, well, I'm sure you have. You know, they give you that hard, working hard or hardly working. Yeah, of like course. Un- it's unironically, who looks like Colt Bronco. It's always somebody who looks like that character. Someone's half cop, half half horse. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah. Get your that horse and ass the, out of uh, here. The weird Geico uh, motorcycle guy, the motor guy. Oh lord, guy. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. Between like uh, Geico and Old Spice, there has got to be just a writer's room of people that sit around and just smoke pot and then go like, "Bro, here's what'll make a hilarious commercial." <laughs> Uh huh. Because that's pretty yeah. much all they are. It just it just seems like crazy, you know, high like writing and just going like, no, this will be good. And then someone sees it and just goes approved. Snap. Yeah, it's the it's the Adult Swim model. The difference is Adult Swim really is just people sitting around smoking pot doing whatever they want. Yeah, it's like oh, we're making cartoons. Shut it. <laughs> Speaking of cartoons, we have onward. A, we have a cartoon from Disney. Here is the trailer for Onward. In times of old. Was full of wonder and magic. But times change. I'm a mighty warrior. Morning, Mom. Hey, birthday boy. By the laws of yore, I must dub thee a man today. Kneel before me. That's okay. I have a gift from your dad. He just said to give you this when you were both over 16. <gasps> no way! It's a wizard staff. Dad was a wizard. What? Your dad was an accountant. This spell brings him back. For one whole day, Dad will be back. What? Back? Like back to life? That's not possible. It is with this. I'm gonna meet Dad.
I definitely remember Dad having a top part. Oh, what did I do? Hi. We only have 24 hours to bring the rest of him back. Until then, ta-da! Oh, that's great. Dad, you look just like I remember. <laughs> No, that doesn't work. Growth spell! We grow the can, and then the gas inside will grow with it. Oh. Elbows up. I'm trying to focus here. Focus. Focus. Oh, wait. Oh, it. it worked! The can is huge! And the van is huge! And you're... Oh, no. Alrighty, that was the trailer for Onward, as we mentioned, available there on Disney+. Plus. Here is the IMDb plotline. Two elven brothers embark on a quest to bring their uh, father back for one day. Uh, good job, IMDb. This is directed by Dan Scanlon, starring Tom Holland, Chris Pratt, Julia, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, Octavia Spencer, and more. Uh, like I said, this is out on Disney+. Plus Currently... Um, now, when I first saw like the promotional images for this and a little bit of that first trailer that came out, uh, I think the biggest thing I thought was, this doesn't look quite like a Pixar movie as far as character designs go. How did that like kind of treat you? Uh, yeah, a little bit, although, you know, it does have some of the telltale characterizations of things, especially in the side characters, I think. But, uh, yeah, no, it did look a little, um, let's see, I don't mean this as a knock, but a little DreamWorks-y. It does. It looks like a DreamWorks film as far as character design. Now, I will say this in as much as I think the backgrounds and everything, holy shit, are we getting to a fantastic place with animation. Man, stuff is looking so, so good. Well, uh, you know, I, I, there were years ago, and maybe I'll, i got to find this for show notes, but, like, there was a... a an essay that I was reading online that was kind of about how every Pixar movie is really designed for them to push some piece of their technology further. Mm -hmm. So like for, for example, uh, finding Nemo was really them making water effects look realistic. And they did it amazing. I mean, especially come finding Dory time unreal. Yeah. Uh, so that like little elements like that, they focus on one thing each time, whether it's background detail or different types of animation effects that they're trying to look, uh, get to look more realistic. Um, so I think what you're noticing is like, I feel like, uh, some of the, um, push on onward was in the detail of all of the land, the landscape. Yeah. Landscape and like, uh, just so much. Uh, detail within the design of everything, just how mm -hmm. like rooms are appointed, 
how things are decorated, and they're decorating animated stuff like you would decorate an actual film. When your set decoration is as good an animated film as it would be in real life, that's impressive because that's a lot of work. It's a lot of work for something that doesn't get a ton of play or like you know. Usually, you focus <laughs> right. on the very important things and all the mundane stuff. You just keep that in the background. Don't really work on it. Maybe kind of keep it out of focus. Here, there's so much of it everywhere you could pause any scene that's in in any of the bedrooms or any like kitchen any room that you're in or any location that you're at you can pause it and just scout out detail upon detail the level is so high in here it's crazy yes uh yeah it's a lot going on um you know like uh one of the great sets is the like the manticore's tavern where you look around that place and it's just like packed full of stuff there's, I mean, there's so many characters and, and just everything. And it's deep in the way, because it's animation and everything, it can be deep focus as far as you want it to be, which you know right. you just can't do with film. And here you can look through everything and see it all. And they allow you to do that. And that's what's like really cool as far as like visual stuff goes. Uh, but let's talk yeah. a little bit about the story. We got like these two, you know, elf creatures. And that was always kind of a weird thing for me to get over is the whole like what land that we're living in. I think they do an okay job at the front of the movie of kind of setting everything up, but I mm-hmm. feel like it could have used perhaps a little bit more world building to just kind of feel it out. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like, uh, yeah, I think the weakness is that they, uh, that if there is one, you know, there's always one with a Pixar movie, I think. Um, the weakness is that that opening setup is so short I did want to get a feel for more of like what the possibilities of the world used to be and or were. And they do some of that throughout the film with like the, the fake dungeons and dragons game that the older brother plays. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, I I did want some more, like some story world details from experience at the beginning of that movie to play out uh, in throughout the film. And it just wasn't enough. Like, it kind of focuses really deeply on the magic part of it and how that dissipated and then gets you into suburbia without dealing with too much of like what the rest of the structure was. Right. So like, how did society function? How did this evolve out of this? And you get, like I said, little bits and pieces. Um, But yeah, I I did want a little more of the world building in that regard. Because everything is built up of like magic used to be a a real thing. Everyone was doing magic. But along the line, we kind of lost touch with all that stuff. And then magic kind of came out of favor. And they're basically, uh, we'll call them for lack of a better term, more human-like. They kind of go through their everyday Monday right. sort of things. They all, you know, there's different creatures and different types, much like you would in say a D and D thing. Is that you have a lot of different kind of creature classes and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, there's all that in there, but they don't give you enough time to really feel what it was like previous. So this feels like that big of a juxtaposition because when they come to this time, you've got you know the older brother in Barley played by Chris Pratt. Mm-hmm. who uh, is into this Dungeons & Dragons type game. And we'll just call it that from now on, because fuck it, that's what it's called. Uh, Isn't it called like Myth or myth of Legends? or I don't know, it's something like that. Mages of the something or other. It's just it's yeah. it's Dungeons & Dragons. Let's call it what it is, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but Gary Gygax is dead, so we can't take that, I guess. I don't know. I figure that would make it more easy to get. But then again, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I, I'm not an expert on legal. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but he's like, he's for sure, though, even though he's like, wh- what would you call him? 20-something? 
early 20s, I guess. Yeah, early 20s, you know, kind of a layabout, clearly out of high school for a minute. Yeah, he's, um, he's got some stubble and stuff, so, you know, you figure, like, he's he's been a, in the house a little bit longer than he probably should be and everything, but yeah. he is so convinced and knows for sure that uh, all the, uh, you know, spells and everything in this book are from, like, before we kind of devolved, if you will, uh, into the set that we are today, just at living amongst ourselves very humanoidistic sort of lives. Magic mm-hmm. doesn't take place. But in these books, that's all based on the real thing. And I just thought, what a weird—like, if one of your friends came to you and go, yo, you see this here monster manual? This shit's real, dog. Like, you would well, look at them and laugh your fucking ass off. You know, I guess we should we should say the actual name of the game because it looks like they're they're making it. Oh, uh, for real. Um, but it it's uh, called Quests of Yore, right? Yeah, I say I knew there's like a questy sort of deal in there somewhere. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it'll be it'll be available in stores uh, in and outside of America in the fall. Wait a second, you're telling me that Disney's taking advantage of a situation in order to sell merchandise? This doesn't sound like Disney, I know. Hey, guess what? Very low purchase price of forty nine ninety nine. Oh, good, sweet Jesus, man! Like, like you can buy like a good boutique board game for fifty bucks. I mean, it does look like they're giving you some characters, which a lot of the base sets for a lot of tabletops don't do. So. All right, so you I know, guess that's maybe. a little something. Yeah, I mean, look, I I have plenty of friends who at one point dumped hundreds and hundreds of dollars at Warhammer of all things. So. Oh man, what a what a group of lonely cats you knew. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was one. <laughs> True. Uh, anyway, uh, back back to back to Pratt and uh, the older brother and the younger brother. Yeah, and so Tom Holland is the little brother who didn't get to really meet his dad before his dad died and everything. Uh, but And here's where we get into what Pixar does so well and what this movie does just to the hilt is pull on them heartstrings, boy. Whoo, holy mm-hmm. smokes. I'm like, listen, I'll tell you right up front. I cried like a bitch during this entire film. I don't care because it is just like, and I will say this. I am so happy for movies doing this now. And Disney, hey, Disney's been doing it forever. Uh, But there's so many times where in animated films, really specifically, but a lot of like children's films and stuff, uh, the dad is not an important character. In, in a lot of these movies, he, he's either non-existent or if he does exist, he's a bumbling, right. stupid doofus. And it's so well, nice. It's kind to, of that here because he's only a bumbling, stupid doofus pair of pants. Well, a pair of pants. But then again, like there's. <laughs> and yeah, that, but he is a full character, right? Like you get a, some sense of it from how they talk about him. And then at the end, like it really is actually developed into something. So Yeah. And like you hear like when he goes and plays the little recording of, of his dad that his dad was doing to just kind of test this tape mm-hmm. recorder out and everything. And that's how he kind of interacts with them. And st- it's just, it's so good. And to have that hope of like, hey, we're going to bring back dad. Like, th- we're going to use this spell. We're going to bring back dad for one day. But it gets interrupted halfway through. And all you've got is that bottom half to go around with. And then just that quest to find out who you are as a person and what you, you know, kind of need in life. And that's ultimately what the um, big thing of this is, is just kind of uh, learning to... I guess learning to kind of move on and be who you are and be happy with what you had. And again, I don't want to kind of, I don't want to spoil the end here or anything, but it's, it's, it's touching as all hell and uh, man, it's good. Uh, Yes. All those things are true. 
I do have one bone to pick with its touchy feel goodiness. Okay. If if I may. This is every Pixar movie. Well, to be fair. It is it is getting to a point where I I am actually downtrodden by the formula, which is pretty rare for me. Mm-hmm. I you know, you know I love a good formula. I love to rewatch and watch and see the same shit. In yeah, for, formulas are right? fantastic. Like, they get shit on a whole bunch of formulas, but formulas lo- are what makes things them. work. That's why that's why Pixar is as successful as it is because they follow I, a very specific formula. Yeah. I think it's starting to get too specific. Okay. I th- I would love to see a movie of theirs that is not a buddy movie. Okay. I would yeah. also love to see a movie that does not have to do with familial relationships. At some point, mm-hmm. and don't give me the don't give me the line that the Toy Story movies aren't about that because there are about that. The Toy Story films are about yeah, they all hang out core families. That's it, mm-hmm. right? Um, I just want to see them like I don't know, stretch out a bit, do something. Uh, but don't I, stretch you know, out like so Good I, Dinosaur stretched out. Stretch out like something else. <laughs> well, I, I liked Good Dinosaur, but also that is a buddy movie. Still, it you is. Know it's I mean? a buddy like, family flick. There's no doubt. Yeah. Uh, I did like that that movie, unlike all their other stuff, was a real fucking downer. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, Lord. Super depressing. But, um, you know, that was a nice change of pace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was at least a little bit. Uh, yeah, you're right. We got to the end, and it was kind of happy. All of our characters felt fulfilled in, like, an actual really good way that you also feel, felt fulfilled by those characters being fulfilled, if that makes sense. Uh-huh. Um, but no, in, in general, I think that Onward does what it sets out to do extremely well, which is not necessarily a surprise given the studio. I mean, uh, uh, Scanlon, the guy that, uh, directed it, he, he also wrote like Monsters University and he's been on the story team at Pixar forever. Yeah. Pixar works with a lot. Exactly. They work with a lot of people in the same roles and then you kind of move over from this thing to that thing. They're almost very, uh, uh, Corman-esque in that way where it's just like, oh, you've been doing this long enough time. You graduate up to the big leagues. Well, and you know, like animation studios have always functioned like that, right? Like, uh, if you watch any documentary about like disney or uh the fleischer studios or anything like that you'll see like a lot of it because animation is so collaborative as a medium Mm -hmm. like a lot of it is just kind of it's like being in a writer's room it's kind of like well uh here's all the story stuff you go write the script this week and that's your screen credit meanwhile like you know on a sitcom like there's you know six to twelve people sitting around in the writer's room doing god knows what to make that script happen one person gets the credit for, you know, union purposes. Yeah, this particular way. episode, you'll get the credit, but perhaps you wrote the kind of basic bones for this, but everyone else certainly right. helped everything along to make it out to be yeah, the they, full-fledged thing. they threw gags in there, they did uh, plot twists, whatever, right, for yeah. whatever type of show. Um, and, and, you know, like, animation studios just work like that. Uh, so, so it's no surprise that like Pixar does all of this stuff really well. They've literally been mostly the same people over the course of 25, 30 years at this point. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's still, uh, it's know, still just like, a handful. You're right. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean like, you know, look, look at what this guy's just been miscellaneous crew on, right? <laughs> like <laughs> Toy Story 4, Incredibles 2, Coco, Inside Out, Monsters University, um, 
brave cars most of those that miscellaneous crew credit is senior creative team you know yeah that's called guy who sits back and just goes that sounds like a good idea put that on paper <laughs> put write that down right. write that down and he gets his assistant to do it he doesn't do it himself you know he's big time god damn it he's just go hey hey you write that down on a piece of paper you take all the notes <laughs> That's how right. I, that's how rich I want to be. I want to be so rich that I'm telling people, you take all my notes during this meeting, okay? Uh, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, he's he also like, you know, he was at Disney before all of this. He was like a storyboard artist. So, you know, all these roles interact. You kind of start out doing storyboards then you, or and or uh, like in-betweens or whatever. And then you graduate to doing uh, character, de- character design and animation. And then you graduate, you know, so you move up the system that way. Yeah. Now let's talk about uh, like the Tom Holland. I think is fine in this role. I think he does a good job pulling off the kind of nervous Nelly, sort of not quite confident enough in himself uh, character and everything. Uh, Julie Louis Dreyfus uh-huh. is great in her mom role. Octavia Spencer, who I think actually puts in a pretty great performance as the Manticore, so, so much so yeah, that you don't great. you don't think Octavia Spencer when she's talking, and that's that to me that's great. I love that actually. Yeah, she was the only one, like, I really had to look up, like, who in the hell is this? Because, you know, I, I wasn't paying any attention. Yeah, to and it had, she, it kind of had, like, a slight Wanda Sykes, but not really. So it, uh-huh. it did kind of have you, like, who is this? I'm not quite sure, because I didn't look it up ahead of time, because yeah, I just knew I, I felt Pratt like and she was, of, of the name actors in here, you know, like, uh, I felt like she was the only one, well, you know, her and... Uh, Tracy Ullman, who always does this, but like she was the only one like doing voice work. Yeah, everybody else is more or less doing themselves. I guess Tom Holland's British, so that's not his voice. Yeah, but. I mean, but yeah, he's doing an accent, but it's not like you know, uh, I don't know, fucking Nancy Cartwright on The Simpsons kind of shit. Yeah, no, I mean? no, no. But yeah. I'll so. I'll say this. I am a huge Chris Pratt fan. I've been been a big fan since the office days and like, you know, his uh-huh. cinematic work is all fantastic as well. Um, I don't know if he was a hundred percent the guy I would have had for this role. Now, looking at the way that the character is designed, who do you think that makes me think of when you look at him, uh, Matt? Well, I when I look at him, I think like this is uh like a like a Jack Black. Or a Josh Gad. It's a hundred percent Jack Black. This character yeah. is so Jack Black, it's ridiculous. From the liking of the fantasy stuff to the kind of metal esque kind of you know music that he'll listen to and all that, like mm-hmm. the the jacket. It's just like you feel like Jack Black's voice could come out of this thing. But he's a, he's a DreamWorks boy. Yeah, and I and I feel well. Also, I feel like if this movie had been twenty years ago, it would have been Jack Black. Yeah. So, you know, if it, or fifteen, like if it'd been like height of tenacious D mid two thousands, oh, even yeah. <laughs> with the DreamWorks thing, he probably would have been this guy. But I also feel like, uh, you know, they they brought in somebody who's in the family, right? Like Pratty Pratt's a, a big Disney guy now because yeah. he's all all Marvel boy. <laughs> uh, he also has a history and association with exactly this type of character, thanks to Parks and Rec, right? Mm-hmm. Um, kind of the slovenly idiot with a heart of gold who knows who ends up being okay uh, kind of thing. Um, so it does make sense. I don't think, I think my problem was I didn't actually 
care much for his voice work sometimes. Yeah, it's I feel like it could be a lot better than it was. And and I don't know that I'm going to put this necessarily on his head because at the end of the day, uh, the directors and voice talent and uh, all that kind of good stuff, they're the ones who are really kind of giving the like, hey, that was perfect. Let's take this. Let's use this take and move on kind of thing. So I, I can't say that I necessarily blame him for that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. I um I don't know. There's something like I felt it. You might have seen it or felt it as well. Like ever since he got really buff mm-hmm. and became uh I don't know, like I guess he like he feels okay to be a crazy uh, weirdo Christian now. Um but you know, because he's famous enough that it doesn't matter. Um I feel like some of the problem I have with the performance is that he sometimes is performing as if the character is not worth him if that makes sense i think i do yeah like like like, uh like oh this type of character i'm going to play overly broad because uh those people are stupid kind of thing um whereas what was kind of charming about andy and parks and rec was that like uh he wasn't i didn't feel at any time like he might have been looking down on that person because he was not like buff superstar I'm okay with being a a, a weirdo uh, Chris Pratt at that point. Yeah, but I mean, like, at the same time, too, like, the way his kind of career went and everything, I understand where he kind of came from because, uh, like, when he came to, according to him, when he came to Hollywood and everything, he was, you know, obviously not in the shape that he is today. Few people are in Marvel shape at any time. Uh, right. But, you know, when he came to Hollywood and everything, he was a fairly in-shape kind of guy. And all the roles yeah. that they would give him were asshole roles. And he's just like, ah, that's not really me. I'm kind of more funny. I just, like, I'm a bit more lighthearted. And when he got chubbier he started actually getting those roles and so i think that you know that that certainly played a part into it and uh yeah i mean i don't care who you are losing weight gaining weight and just making that kind of a drastic change in in your you know just physical being Mm -hmm. it does change you as a person to some level i mean it may not change deep down your core of who you are uh but it's going to change a little something and sometimes that's oh i'd agree i've put on a lot of weight uh out of depression that i had previous lost and i am a piece of shit now so oh i see and that's the thing i've lost 80 pounds and i'm still as big a piece of garbage as i've ever been though so that's what like (laughs) makes me at least confident in myself that's what i'm saying i I wasn't listen i wasn't not a piece of shit before (laughs) i'm just more now right there's more there's more of me and there's there's literally more of me to be a giant piece of shit you you keep doing what you do (laughs) i think that's what we got out of onward you do exactly and honest honest to god that's kind of the lesson of onward is that you do kind of go onward no it is because you know there's there's a lot of paths in front of you and and again i will say this until i die this like hey yo in the fables, we always go to the road that's not the road that you think you ought to go to. Let's go down the bumpy, craggly one. You know, that sounds like a great idea. Uh, but usually that leads to ruin. Let me ask you, uh, do you think the guys from Deliverance wanted to go down that particular path? Or could they have gone someplace else? Could they have not, you know, gone there for their uh, big retreat? They could have. Go- they would have been much happier going someplace else and not getting uh, raped and uh, nearly killed. Well, some of them actually killed uh by by crazy you know woods people 
Uh, is that a trick question? I'm saying or? onward is deliverance, and deliverance is onward. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, not entirely incorrect. I, but yeah, I listen. I love. I'm not saying it's mostly correct. I'm saying it's not entirely incorrect. But I, I, I love the animation. I do love the the actual story, and uh, I, I love the scene with like you know the the big giant gap and the rope, and they set mm-hmm. out a lot of like really interesting rules and stuff, and they tend to follow them rather well, and it, it yes. makes for an and overall it, very enjoyable experience because it, it feels like you're. I mean, it's Pixar for Christ's sake, so they're gonna stay within the boundaries of what they're you know laying out for you. For sure. And I do want to say, like, as someone who is not a huge fantasy nerd, but really does enjoy the genre uh, on occasion, as it were, uh, this one, like, hit all the boxes I needed it to hit for me to enjoy it as that thing. So, um, yeah, I, I did like the world building. Uh, like like we both had, had said, we just wanted a little more of the old school style to see what it was like then to juxtapose against the modern reality. But I but I do like that it set up all those rules, like you said, and it mostly sticks to all of them. Um, and uh, very enjoyable. Yeah, it's it's a super little, fun little time. quest. And especially if you got kids, I mean, this is a nice PG rated movie. Uh, acceptable for just about everybody. And in that great Pixar mm-hmm. form, especially if you're a parent, you're going to watch this with your kids and you won't feel like shooting yourself in the face. That's also true. So, you know, uh, there's always an advantage. I, there. I will say we're probably not pushing this on many parents because I, I imagine at this point they have watched it a dozen times. They're like, I'm tired um, of hearing about it, quite frankly. <laughs> well, I had a friend who, uh, you know, like, the, you know, they, they before this was out, we were already on lockdown for like two weeks. And, and like Frozen was out, you know, mm-hmm. Frozen 2 was on Disney Plus already. And uh, they they were like just drowning in rewatches of Frozen 2. And they were so thankful that Onward finally came Oh, out. my so, sister was in that situation. To watch something else. Yeah, my sister was there with her kids and stuff. They were just like, she was like, I'm tired of Frozen. The, she was happy to pay for Trolls World Tour when that came out. She's just like, dear God, something else uh-huh. other than Frozen and Onward, because she's yeah. got a boy and a girl. She's like, I'm ready to just do anything else other than this. Now, I will say this, before we uh, wrap this up and everything, my niece brought up an interesting point to me. She's, uh, okay. I think she just turned nine. Ooh. Uh, it's a good age. They're starting to get real smart and notice things. Yeah, she's she's always been like one of those super smart kids. Because like when oh gosh, the things that come out of that girl's mouth, I'm just like, how do you know this? Or like, you know, how did like I'll make a joke and she knows. She's like, that's not true. And I'm just like, what what nine year old Uh knows this crap? The kids are just way too damn smart. Yeah, you just have to be like, listen, we need a DNA test because whose family are you? Yeah, you're certainly not from us. (laughs) And that must be from Philip's side of the family, but. Uh, the thing is this, uh, she had a great question. She just goes, Barley believed in, so like the, the whole idea of a lot of this is, is that you kind of need to believe in magic in order for that magic to actually work. You know, you can say the right. magical incantations and stuff, but if you don't believe it in your heart and you're not doing it with earnesty and honesty, it won't uh-huh. actually happen. Uh, Barley believes in all of this stuff. Why doesn't Barley have any powers whatsoever? Maybe I lost something, but that I was like, I was like, oh, geez, that's I, I a good question. That like not every being is capable of it, and, and that it like flowed in different pathways through generations, right? So, like, 
you know, they're all surprised actually that his to learn that his father had the capability. Yeah, and I guess maybe it was Tom Holland's been... character had the capability. More like, uh, oh, um, we all. You could have just laid out a, again. It's a thank you for smoking thing. Lay out a line that just goes every generation that passes down. Some people get it, some people don't. Like some bullshit, like little statement like that. And you could have solved all those problems right there. Yeah, there may be something at the beginning that sort of addresses this, uh, but um, you know, it can also just be that like over time, everybody forgot all of this shit, and because they forgot it, it kind of we- like we all got weaned off of it, and now very few people have any capability whatsoever um just felt like they could have maybe expressed that a little bit better when a nine-year-old brings it up to me and i just go hell i don't know yeah well you know they got they got the brain that notices uh bullshit uh like like you said she frequently calls you out on things that aren't correct and uh are made up right Even when she was a little that, kid, that you do like the, you know, the like, oh, look, my, you know, the, the thumbs coming off kind of trick. One of those deals. Oh, for She's sure. just like, no, nah, that's bull but crap. Al- but also like, you know, preteens, uh, that is really the, I don't give a fuck, no bullshit age, man. No. Uh, <laughs> they're just like, they're, yeah, I mean, it is just like, what, what the fuck ever. This is what I'm dealing with. You're a crazy adult, insane person. You want to go? But, I don't like to talk to you. But but you buy the elves and the manacore. Okie dokie. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, a, as you do. As you do. Uh, so that is it, everybody. Onward. It's available now on Disney Plus. I think uh, two decent little recommendations here. So check all that kind of good yes. stuff out. Matt, where might they find you on the interwebs? Uh, well, I think I'm quitting Twitter. So just follow me on Smart uh, Instagram. At Matt underscore Boyd underscore Smith. Uh, and I've got, uh, you know, photographs on there. They're photographs! Pleasant. And, of course, you can uh, listen to the film find at the film find. I'm, I'm used to plugging it on the other show, so I should actually say Hero Movie Podcast. Uh, that's Yeah, what I you really should want listen to, to Hero Movie Podcast, where eventually I will be on there talking about a thing. Oh, it's going to be good when we do that. And I will say li- this. Listen to Clone Wars 30 Questions. Clone Wars right now on Disney Plus is so fucking fire, dude. It's so good. Just watch yeah, these last couple up. episodes. It's so fucking good. So uh, check that out. Uh, Clone Wars 30 Questions and Hero Movie Podcast. That is it, everybody. We'll see you next time. a lot of people uh, underestimate the drums on that song. Drums on I, that song are fucking... I wouldn't know. I've n- I don't hang out with people who don't talk about how awesome it is. That's true. <laughs> like, uh, I, I, I'm i around, aren't I? I think I know that Dio is the shit, so uh, that's just... I'm not going to tell you anything otherwise.
Oh, yeah, we do. I mean, it's praised. Imagine. They all know that if they if they uh, you know smote the name Dio in my presence with their bullshit, that I, I would sacrifice them gladly to the god of dragons. I miss that little guy. He was so tiny. He was just the tiniest little man and, and he, just played this and just here's such the, heavy shit. It was great. The heaviest shit. And he also looked exactly like Warwick Davis if he's in leprechaun makeup. <laughs> <laughs> Teeth and everything. Just fucking crazy feral. You know, if he if he spoke in like limericks and wanted his fucking pot of gold, I'd have fucking get, uh, shit myself. Dude. I buy it. I buy it. I actually, there was a time when I was doing uh, stand up. It's an open mic at a coffee house, and uh-huh. the crowds were always very just interesting and diverse, weird, you know, whoever was coming in there at, you know, nine o'clock on a Tuesday uh, to usually drink beer. Uh, but there was one guy, he he looked just like fucking Dio, and he, he was sitting up in the front, I swear to God, he had the hair, he had a jean jacket on with the fucking patches and shit. I called him out. I was just like, we got fucking Dio here in the front row. And he was so excited. <laughs> he was, Hell yeah. He was so happy. He was just like, hell he's, yeah, bro. You betcha. I was just like, I yeah, love you so much. he's that guy who goes to Dragon Con every year dressed like Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah. <laughs> he's that guy, you know? And he's like, holy shit, someone knew that my idol is who I'm dressed as. <laughs> holy fucking shit. Amazing. Right? Yeah, I, I, that's exactly what I was doing here. That's what I do every morning. And do you know how few people actually say, hey, look, it's a guy dressed up like Dio. <laughs> no, it doesn't fucking happen. So when it does happen and a guy is on stage with a microphone in his hand telling other people that you look like Dio, you might as well just tell them that you won the fucking lottery. Uh, well, it sounds like he did that day, sir. He did. He was super excited. <laughs> Well, now I hate that I missed that guy. He must have been amazing. So he was, he was, he was fun. He laughed at jokes. That's all I ask for, man. As long as you're like laughing, good for you. You're, you're in the I'll group. I'll tell you this, man. Like uh, every time uh, I I went to this open mic here, that was it was not really an open mic. It was like a you had to know people kind of open mic. Thing, yeah. Right. But it, it was like a showcase, a, a as we call bag. them. More of a grab bag, I think. Okay. Not even really a showcase because it would just be like you know, oh, this person's coming through, whatever. Uh, but also it would be, I don't know, the guy who ran it, like worked in film and television. So mm-hmm. he would like, you know, it was always on Monday night. And so um, like if people were in town shooting stuff and they got fuck all to do on Monday night or something, he'd say, hey, come over. And they'd come out and do like, you know, they would test out like five or 10 minutes of whatever new material. So like, you know, they just randomly show up, nothing announced. You didn't even know who was going to be there other than like the regular area comics who were ladies and gentlemen, Lance Hendrickson. Well, (laughs) well, yeah, no, but, but it'd be really cool. Cause like, you know, like fucking randomly you'd be there and like hanging out, having your fucking two fifty PBR. And, uh, then all of a sudden he's like, all right, guys, here's uh, Hannibal Burris. And you're like, <laughs> holy shit. What the, like, I didn't even pay to get in here. What the fuck is this? I paid $60 to see this motherfucker once. Here he is doing 10 minutes that no one's fucking seen yet just because he's like got a fucking two-day shoot on some fucking TV show, yeah. and he has to be on set on Wednesday, but they flew him out for the whole fucking week. <laughs> 
it's like all right cool thanks man awesome yeah, atlanta definitely has that as a as a good uh feather in your cap there because charlotte's just like oh it's the same 30 motherfuckers i've seen for the uh-huh. past decade okay great shoot me in the face now please thank you <laughs> bye yeah I, I oh uh yeah like there are good people up there but i feel like they're probably also the people who at least travel regionally yeah at this point yeah you'd, you'd hope <laughs> All right, let's do... All right, what are we...